Hey everyone, what is up and welcome to the Lifestyle Lifters Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I interview Jack Gadd, who's an online coach based outside of Bristol in the UK. He previously stepped up on stage in Britain's natural bodybuilding competition back in 2018, and he got the number one place, which was a big part of today's episode. So Jack described what a typical week of training and nutrition would have looked like for him, how long he actually prepped to become number one in, in Britain, how Jack's 4,000 calorie diet, which he followed prior to actually really getting into lifting, paved the way for him to enter into bodybuilding. He shares some of the mistakes that he made in the past. Jack then describes some of his thoughts on training to failure, whether you should or whether you shouldn't, how often you should train up, change up your training program, his favorite forms of cardio. And then we finish up just describing the calories on being shown in the menu in the UK in restaurants, but not being shown here in Ireland and whether or not we think it's a good or a bad idea. So if you do get value from the show, the only thing I do ask is that you leave a review, you leave a rating on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to it. And secondly, that if you please wouldn't mind tagging me or Jack on your IG stories and I will reshare it or even just give me some feedback. I always love hearing feedback on what are some of your takeaways from the episode. So that is all for the intro. I really do hope you enjoy this week's episode with Jack Dad. Welcome back to the Lifestyle Lifter Show. And today's guest is Jack Gad. Jack is an online men's health and fitness coach based currently in the UK. So Jack, welcome to the Lifestyle Lifter Show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's been a little while since I've last done a podcast, so I appreciate the invite on and uh, and for thinking of me. <laughs> not at all, man. Not at all. Really a big fan of your content, Jack, and I will post your your links and all at the end. But But tell me, Jack, before we actually get you to share your backstory, share something about yourself that most people do not know. Oh wow! Most people do not know. I guess I'm quite, I, I'm quite reserved on social media, unlike a lot of other people. So there's probably a lot of things, but uh, I'd say one of the, <laughs> the the main things that I probably don't share as much. Like I come from quite a, like a um, martial arts background in the past before I started any weightlifting. So oh, really, like a yeah. long, long time before I even like was bothered about sort of uh, lifting weights in the gym. I was really like quite, quite focused on like Taekwondo and MMA and like mixed martial arts. So I guess there's always been a sports focus there, but one of my things is I used to like getting punched and punching other people as well. So <laughs> well, that's how a good years, or not. <laughs> how many years did, do you, do you still um, do the MMA Jack or is it all no, the gym? Not anymore. Like, I wish I did, but it's just finding the time between everything else. But I, I probably did it for about six years of my life, um, sort of intermittently. Um, but now I've really enjoyed it when I was doing it. Just wish I could fit it in a bit more now. Yeah. Oh, um, my! I really want to try out uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Nice. Have yeah. you ever, Have you ever done that, Jack? I've, I've I sort of thought about doing it, but when when I did martial like um, MMA, it was more sort of on the side I, I it's not like cage fighting as such but it was like all of the martial arts rather than just sure, one specific yeah. sort of um yeah. one that you did but yeah uh, brazilian jiu-jitsu does look like good fun <laughs> yeah yeah awesome awesome well tell us jack then um share a bit about your backstory i feel we can resonate in a lot of things because you mentioned in your in your own personal story it was kind of a case of being the skinnier kid in school 
and wanting to be lean and wanting to be a bit broader and or more muscular, similar to myself. So share, Jack, your, your story about how you actually got into fitness. Sure, no, absolutely. So I uh, start, started getting into fitness probably around about 15 to 16 years old, like most kids sort of coming out of college or going into college. Uh, you see all the other guys and you wonder why is everyone a lot bigger and more muscular than you. So immediately it was straight to Google to find out what was going wrong. Um, <laughs> what, looked at a few YouTube videos, a few articles, watched things like Pump and Iron. Like, I was obviously, I think like most people who start off in bodybuilding, quite inspired by Arnie and all of those. Um, and kind of just started from there, really just trialing loads of different things that I read online. I can't remember what the name of the sort of site was but there was this really popular site like back sort of 10 years ago which like they would have the sort of rundown of um all of like the famous uh, influencers back then so like for example greg i think it's greg plitt isn't it um he like he had his whole workout had like his whole nutrition what he would do That's and it. i would just follow that and like i had no no replications towards like me and my lifestyle or anything else like that <laughs> follow that through and do exactly the same things and to an extent it did help because it just helped me obviously eat a bit better with my food and my nutrition but I ended up getting to the point where I just went on this mega bulk for probably the best part of about four years um okay right. yeah so like if you like a lot of my pictures obviously where I'm lean is like post competition during those days but before that not a lot of what I obviously have nowadays to actually post and because I don't have those pictures anymore is basically where I just spent a lot of time getting very uh fluffy as you would call yeah. it so, <laughs> putting on a lot of body fat getting really strong for for my age but um sort of spending the work doing that and I don't regret that I like I think a lot of yeah probably kids nowadays are very focused on being lean and being aesthetic with the whole social media generation but it kind of did lead the way and led the path to to where sort of it helped with the competitions after that in years to come through building a bit of a base um yeah it started from there so it was one of those things which it was it was fun back then trying to eat four thousand calories a day and get to the 200 pound club on the scale and everything else like that <laughs> oh my god man yeah that that's insane four thousand calories a day um at a young age i remember actually as well I was a big fan of The Rock and obviously The Rock is amazing and I looked at like his Hercules workout split oh, and yeah. his Her Hercules diet, do you remember that? And I was looking at it like 8,000 calories a day. He was eating like, you know, um, white rice and cod for breakfast. He had that like about three times, oatmeal, oatmeal, oatmeal. I was like, oh my God, how did he even get those calories in? Insane. Right. When I think back to it now, like I cringe at what I used to do. So like I used to work um, <laughs> as um, like it, I used to change like gas and electric meters. So you could class it as an electrician, but it's not really. Um, so I'd be out on the road in a van and I would take prep meals with me and I'd have like, I'd go and buy like 500 gram or kilo pack of mints, the full fat one, because obviously yeah. we're trying to get more calories in. And I'd have that with a pack of Uncle Ben's rice, like between two meals. And then I would actually top it with olive oil as well. So, pattern, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like thinking about it now, it just makes me cringe, like with how much calories were in it, but also eating cold rice, cold beef, drizzling yeah. olive oil over the top of it <laughs> to try and just make gains. It's just silly thinking about it now, but it was the only way I was thinking of getting calories in. <laughs> and Jack, seeing as you've gone both ways, I know you're currently in a cutting phase. 
Mm. I mean, I feel I feel there's only one definite answer here, but I'm curious of your thoughts. What do you think is more challenging? Doing a cut or doing a bull? And the reason I ask is because when you're eating that amount of food and you're going to bed and you're freaking stuffed, like it can it, it's not that comfortable either. We obviously know the reverse end where you're hungry going to bed, that's not enjoyable. So yeah. what's your thoughts, Jack? I, I think definitely a, a bulk is harder, in my opinion. Wow, really? Yeah. I just, I feel like on the mental side of things, it's harder to stick to for a lot of people. Like, unless you sure. just, yeah. I think, like, I'm, I'm quite happy to to be hungry and, like, not really be that satisfied with food. Like, it doesn't bother me that much now. Now I've done it for so long, it kind of just feels yeah. a bit more normal. But with bulking, I feel there's a mentality that comes into it where so many people try and do it for such a short amount of time and never see progress you get you have to get over that mentality of putting on body weight putting on body fat um trying to eat food all the time and consistently improving your workouts and lift more each time you go in and have that mentality to always progress i feel like that is it's quite difficult um but you might have a different sort of uh, view on that where you might in- enjoy that more. I just, I, I think because I've not bulked for so long now, I've probably sure. forgot what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just like last night going to bed, I was probably 3,400 calories deep. And I had like, I, what did I have? I had, I think there was rice thrown in there. There was some oatmeal, there's some meat thrown in there, trying to limit the veggies at night. But it's like, I woke up this morning then, Jack, and it was like, you nearly still feel last night's meal in you, and you're like, oh, God. Give me, I, like, I need my morning walk or some movement in the morning just to let that digest that bit better. Yeah. But I definitely find, to be honest, I'm much happier bulking than cutting because at the end of the day, you still do get to eat more food, which, which uh, in That's my opinion, way. anyways, it's it's like mentally it's more fatiguing. But mm-hmm. there's, there's difficulties in both sides because, as you said, if you're doing a bulk, you have to give yourself permission that you're going to gain a bit of body fat. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not always easy to take if you're someone used to being relatively lean year round. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think if you're the, the, I think the longer you are leaner and the longer you stay leaner for, the harder it gets to like be okay with putting on more body fat. I'm yeah, yeah, that for sure. So yeah, yeah, that that's kind of where I'm currently at at the moment, Jack. But back to you, um, Jack. So in 2018 you competed in the natural bodybuilding competition in the UK. So would you mind just sharing a bit about that and, and what actually motivated you to do it in the first place? Yeah, so so prior actually three years before that in 2015, that was the first time I'd competed that year. Um, so I'd sort of gone straight into like the novice shows and I, I dipped my feet in a, into bodybuilding a little bit. Um, and this was when sort of I sort of, I, I think I got third place at the finals that year. So it was like kind of, okay, I'm, somewhat good at this uh I, I feel like i probably could maybe devote a little bit of time towards it so for a couple of years i basically devoted the life to lifting progressing putting on as much muscle as i could to then go into that 2018 season um so in that season it was really really good because so, obviously i was it was like years of hard work that was essentially paying off as i was getting leaner and stepping on stage i managed to win a british title um and i think got it was fourth in another show as well so it was kind of like a well-rounded off season to what I really wanted from it when I set my kind of my sights on something and the start of the year it was to essentially achieve a top three in Britain um and to go and win a British title was like the icing on the cake so I kind of felt like I 
reached the peak of what I could uh, within the natural bodybuilding that I felt I was dedicated enough to do. Obviously, you can go on and do much further than that if you try and go for world titles or pro cards and stuff. But I think I quickly realized after 2018 that that probably wasn't going to be my route. But I'm very glad that I've done it and, and did it because it was sort of really gave me a lot of skills that I've learned now to relate into my clients and myself as well to, to really kind of make sure that they get great results too. So obviously you, you came first in 2018, but this wasn't just the case. You decided to sign up a week beforehand, Jack. Yeah. And even when you entered in 2015, I'm sure it wasn't just a case of taking time off completely. So when you set your sights in 2018 on winning that competition, how far back did your, your, your training schedule officially commence? Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's a long process when when I think about it now. Like it was a case of I knew the year before that I was going to be competing the next year to try and go for these sort of shows and to do as best as I could. And I think my training and dieting actually started in the January of that year because I think I had to lose around about 40 pounds over the January to the October. So it wasn't okay. something that I could be like, let's do a 12 week diet yeah. because I would have never stepped on stage as, as lean as I could have. Uh, so I really had to make sure I set the sort of time zones in, in the right way to achieve obviously what I did in the end. Wow. Yeah. And what would like a typical week of training then and nutrition would it look like for you, Jack? Yeah. So in, in terms of like um, training, so I think I was doing five times a week at that time. So I think it was just a push pull legs uh, up a lower split. So yeah. everything twice I love a that. Week. Yeah. Um, really easy to do sort of back mm. then. And I was just coming into full-time online coaching as well. So it kind of, molded perfectly with the fact that I wasn't working my day job anymore so I had the time to commit to it and just push yeah. on with cardio um be surprised I didn't do any <laughs> I didn't do any cardio it was all just step based so yeah. my step goal was high so it was about 15k a day that I was doing mm. every day yeah. um, and it gradually tapered up obviously to, to that as the peak um, and then calories I think went as low as about 1600 um from probably about the mid 2000s or throughout the january to the october because of the way that the shows worked out and the sort of categories that i had to compete in i needed to lose like another eight pounds from my qualifier to then meet the sort of lightweight category that i needed to go into so that meant the low food and the aggressive steps and everything else like that but still i didn't have to do cardio so that's one of the things i kind of swear by when it comes to dieting because i hate it <laughs> yeah man oh interesting though with it like it just goes to show that the power of just getting your steps up Massive, and yeah. not thinking that the job is done inside that hour in the gym there's so much more that can be done by just increasing your activity but jack did you take um, many diet breaks then from going from yes. mid 2000s to 1600 you surely didn't just sustain that for nine or ten months no, I think I'd be dead if I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was probably about two diet breaks and then there was probably like a weekly refeed when I got to the point of uh, being on quite low food. Because uh, when you get leaner, obviously the need for that is a bit more apparent and it's a bit higher because your body just runs down really, really quickly. Uh, but in the lead up, there was probably like two full diet breaks and then just a weekly refeed probably from like eight weeks out, I imagine. Um, yeah. So not too bad, but it's one of those things when when you when you enter trying to do a show heavier than you need to be which looking back it probably was you have a lot of weight to pull off unfortunately um and 40 pounds doesn't just come off like that unfortunately yeah. wish it yeah. did <laughs> that that being said jack i'm sure you've had an experience before where you might get a message or someone something mm. of somebody saying 
they've a holiday in like two weeks or a wedding, a wedding coming up um, three weeks away. Is there any way you can help me out? So it just goes to show, Jack, isn't it? The, the importance too of giving yourself enough time for, so you're yeah. not in panic mode. Absolutely. Time is the best thing when it comes to dieting. Yeah. Uh, the more time you have, the better the diet will be. And I think the more enjoyable it is as well, because you're not super rushed to get to the end. Absolutely. Goal. Absolutely. And Jack, you're someone who... So obviously that would have been at your like your absolute when you stepped up in stage there, that's not sustainable either, like maintaining that mm. low, real lean body fat percentage. But you're someone who stays lean year round. What would you say is the difference in commitment between being lifestyle lean versus being like stage ready? Mm. That's a good question. It's a really, really good question, actually. Because I was just thinking about this the other day, because like the diet I'm doing now in comparison to before there's quite a few differences in terms of like where the commitments lie and I think the biggest biggest commitments from what I've seen is the difference in your steps so I'm not like rigid with steps at the minute at all um and also the difference in how you track foods so back then I would track everything that had a calorie in so this would be things like lettuce tomatoes cucumber sauces monster energies um source like anything really which is quite negligible whereas now i don't do that i'll estimate a lot of foods right now and just kind of say okay that's probably that amount of calories whereas before it would be like a rigid process where i would try and figure out everything that's going into the meal and i would know exactly what was being eaten so i think the level of accountability of knowing exactly what's in the food is is the, one of the key parts but also that accountability towards exactly hitting your step numbers and your cardio targets if you have them or training. Like if I miss a training day at the minute, it's not the end of the world and it doesn't really change how I look. Whereas back then, if I missed a training day, things would obviously change a little bit when you're that lean and you're sort of at that point where you're trying to get to the peak of where you need to. So there's a few differences. Um, it definitely just comes down to the meticulousness of it rather than anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm someone I like to say relatively lean like yourself, Jack, but I did like I, I never stepped up and stage. The closest I did was two photo shoots. And I just found that second photo shoot really, really difficult. And it was yeah. only a case of diving for like probably four weeks, man. <laughs> it was only like four, four pretty challenging weeks there. And I'm much happier now, much more content now with a bit more body fat, but my yeah. calories are pretty much double what they would have been back then. So like for me, that's a trade-off I'm willing to make. So Absolutely. it's it's kind of trade-offs, Jack, really, isn't it? There's like there's an opportunity cost for everything you pursue. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always that trade-off and the opportunity cost, I think, is the biggest thing. So many people want to be lean, but also so many people don't want to stop eating maybe their favorite foods for however long they need to, or at least cut down on it anyway, or have the choice between a uh like a, a a meal deal from tesco or something or you make your own food at home because you know it's got less calories. Yeah. these are these are the things which are just that little yeah. <laughs> off, between uh being lean and, and not but uh yeah it's <laughs> it's funny to think about the trade-offs you have to make it's all in the moment of decision and tell me then jack so when it comes to training then you've obviously you've coached a lot of guys what do you what do you feel are some of the common mistakes that you see people make in the gym when it comes to either trying to drop a bit of fat or gain a bit of muscle? Mm, I think the biggest common mistake is changing things up too much or getting bored of the same thing they do. So they have to feel like they need to do something 
when they go into the gym different each time especially from a muscle building perspective like if you're if you're really committed or really wanting to build muscle perhaps you're a skinny guy or you're someone who is maybe just wanting to maximize muscle mass the consistency of what you do in the gym week, week in week out from the exercises to the reps to the sets to the progressions those are the four things that's really going to make you see like actual growth in what you do if you're going from a flat bench press one week to then doing an incline dumbbell press on different rep ranges and then next week changing up again there's no real true progression to really ever look back and i think when you're in the gym that's all you have to rely on is that visual and like progression with your lift so you have to be very focused on that if you're sort of really looking to to make solid progress like as you get a bit later into your lifting career you can probably let go of that a bit more but if you're really looking to build muscle and even maintain it whatever it might be there's there's a massive importance in that I, I do believe and how long do you feel jack is the optimal time to follow a training program I, I tend to like make sure that the guys I work with follow it minimum for around about six to eight weeks before we change things up. Usually that's where the deload is needed and then we change things up and obviously do yeah. a new split. But I think if if I've if if I'm totally honest, people will see more success doing the same thing probably for a year in, year out, um, than changing things up too frequently. I just change them so people don't get bored, that's all. But yeah, if, yeah. If it was me and like I had this goal of maximizing progress and nothing else, I'd probably just do the same thing week in, week out for as long as I could before it stopped working. And that could be lots of years, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like the analogy, Jack, if let's just say person A and person B were both trying to become fluent in Spanish and person A did Spanish Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three times a week and person B, Spanish on a Monday, French on a Wednesday, yeah. German on a Friday, at the end of the four weeks, the six weeks, the eight weeks, there's only going to be one winner there when it comes to who's at least closer to being fluent and, and strength training is literally the exact same, as I said. Getting that progressive overload, it's so, so important and doing it consistently. Tell me, Jack, then, do you feel or should, do, yeah, do you feel there's any difference or should your training vary if someone is in a gaining phase versus someone is in a cutting phase? Yeah, sure. So I, I think uh, over the years, I've probably become more experimental with this with myself. So I've definitely found that when you're in that sort of cutting phase, as opposed to the gaining phase, it's okay to probably be a bit more biased towards switching a few things up or supersetting a few movements just to get them done. A 100%. Bit yeah. Um, and I think that's probably my own bias leaving that. Like if you asked me that question five years ago, I would have said it's the exact same thing. And to an extent, like if you keep things the same as you do in a gaining muscle phase, you're probably going to do very well during a deficit as well. But I do believe that if you kind of have like your main core movements that are prioritized, everything else around it can probably be changed up quite yeah. often and that would be okay. You're not going to lose muscle if you're eating enough protein, getting strong on your core lifts and then having a bit of fun with the other stuff. Um, I just feel in a gaining muscle phase, if you're sort of looking to grow, making sure everything is very much reg regimented is where you're going to make more progress realistically rather than switching a few things up in a deficit, for example. And what are your thoughts on training to failure then, Jack? I like it. I do like it. I think it's there's always going to be an RAR, uh, RP, like um, sort of reps and reserve debate, yeah. isn't there? And I, I think over the years, there's been a lot of different people who have said different things. Um, but I, I think as long as you're not going balls to the wall so much that you then don't have enough energy for second, third and fourth sets in exercises, then I don't see too much wrong with it. 
and a lot of it depends on the person's recovery capabilities most people don't really train to failure anyway like even That's though they, say they do yeah. i think if you ever record your sets and look back even myself sometimes i might be guilty of this but yeah i think most people just need to train to failure because it's probably a couple reps of reserve anyway <laughs> after or like <laughs> even just the last day I, I was doing like a decline dumbbell chest press and you know you're, you know you're doing like a chest press and you, you kind of give yourself like an idea, a target of how many reps you might get. Let's just say, I think it was 12 I had in mind. And then when you get to the 12, subconsciously or not, it's like you start to slow down. Mm. But if you tell yourself you're, there's 15 in you, you yeah. bang out three more reps. So I was like, I was going to stop at, stop at 12. I probably had three or four more in me, but it was just like psychological. If you say it, in your mind, it's like you'll just slow down naturally. So it's actually quite difficult to train to failure. What are your thoughts, though, on pushing like big compounds, the likes of squats and deadlifts to failure, Jack? Yeah, I think with, with like a squat and a compound, a squat and a deadlift, like they probably need to be treated a bit differently. But this is where I like to kind of switch up the rep ranges. So like, for example, on a squat, have a couple top sets, which will be in a lower rep range, take them to failure because it's a lot easier than, say, taking 10 to 12 to failure. And Absolutely. then when you have your back off sets, you can then maybe drop the RP, the, the sort of reps in reserve a little bit. So yeah. it just, I guess, depends on what you're trying to get from it. Um, but definitely deadlifts to failure is no fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel deadlifts like Anton over five reps, Anton over eight reps, anyways. It's freaking carried. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned you're not the biggest fan of cardio, Jack. Eight reps of deadlifts is like the closest <laughs> thing you can get when doing lifting weight when lifting weights are fine. Absolutely. And uh tell me then, Jack. So aside from like doing steps and stuff, do you have do you have any other preferred form of cardio? Or is that your <laughs> is that your preferred method? Yeah, sure. So I think my main sort of preferred cardio choice is just sports alongside of like my step goals. Yeah. So for example, I play football twice a week. Um, so I know that I'm going to be doing cardio through doing that um, either in a game or a training. Um, so if people have kind of like listened to this and they've got sports that they do, that's definitely a form of cardio that you could do or, or class as it anyway. Um, and if I wasn't doing sports... I, I would be hard pressed to ask what, what would be my most enjoyable form of cardio because I just hate cardio in the gym it's just boring like yeah I really do not enjoy it but I would probably just hop on a bike that would be my thing realistically if yeah. I was to choose yeah. one yeah gotcha gotcha and then segueing on to nutrition then Jack what would you say are some common myths or misconceptions that people have when it comes to just dieting and getting leaner mm. I think in terms of like a misconception I feel like the more I've obviously kind of gone through um, different diets and different methods of dieting, obviously with contest prep and photo shoots and just yeah. generally getting leaner. I think the more I've found around your like nutrient timing and doing that is it's never led to me looking really much different in terms of actually how I diet and how I feel. So for example, yeah. in the past I've done six meals a day, made sure I got 30, 40 grams of protein in every two to four hours. And that would be like religion. Whereas now I'll probably get two big meals of like 70 grams of protein each time. And then yeah. maybe one then meal with 20 grams. And it doesn't really make a difference to how I look or how I perform. Um, and I feel just as good on it. So there's, that's definitely one of the big misconceptions, which mm. I think is obviously there's, there's studies behind it and everything. So I'm not going to disprove that or anything, but, for me, I've definitely found that that is one thing that 
I care a lot less about now is the certain optimal amount of protein in each meal. And I'd rather just eat for my hunger, eat for my enjoyment um, than anything else. And it's not that freaking important, like after your workout to bring your, I used to like have the protein shake with me, Jack, mm. <laughs> in the gear bag ready. And it's like, if you don't have that protein shake five minutes post-workout, you've lost all your gains. It is a-okay to have a shower, to get home, to drive home and have it then. Um, that's definitely something I can relate to on meal timing. What about supplements then, Jack? What are your preferred supplements? Um, so at the minute, I just take away protein. I'm really, really bad at the minute with supplements. Like I need to, I need to go and buy a creatine. I just haven't bought one yet. I just like, <laughs> I need to go and get one. Um, but I will literally just supplement my protein powder and then a bar as well, just to help me get extra protein in for the day. So I'm really quite minimal on the supplement side of things now than I used to be. Like I used to take uh, like HBCD, which is highly branched cyclic dextrin for like carbohydrates during your workout intro workout yeah. yeah i used to have like pre-workouts quite religiously but now i just yeah. have coffee or a monster um obviously i think obviously creatine was a, a normal thing of part of my day but I, I don't really take that much anymore i think as i've come away from like bodybuilding specifically my supplement intake definitely is reduced which helps with the uh, expenses every month as well yeah, i guess absolutely, <laughs> man. absolutely and what are your thoughts then on water intake do you drink much today jack now I do at the minute, now I'm doing the intermittent fasting. Beforehand, it wasn't really that much, to be honest. But ever since I started doing the intermittent fasting a bit more, I've definitely found my water intake go up quite a bit. Yeah. And this is just to curb hunger. Um, and during my workouts, because I'm obviously a bit hungrier when I'm training, because I've obviously not broke the fast yet, I will tend to drink you more. You train fasted as well, Jack. Yeah, so sort of my, I'll, I'll, my last meal is usually about 10 p.m. And then I'll train at about 10 a.m., maybe 11 a.m. So by that sort of time, at the end of that workout, I'm starting to get quite hungry. Sure. So the yeah. water intake naturally goes up just to help me a bit of energy and actually just helps me with a bit of a pump as well in the gym. Yeah water intake's gone up because of that but beforehand it was probably quite poor it was more so yeah. more that was in coffee than anything else that was good <laughs> so, and are you currently doing the 16 8 intermittent fasting I, I mean i've not like looked into exactly what the 16 8 is but i will essentially either start eating at one and then finish whenever the last meal is so whether that's nine or ten um and then it'll just be the same process the next day so i guess you could class that as eight hours of eating um but i just do it over three meals so the meal i have at two meal i have with uh molly and hugo at uh, sort of six o'clock and then the meal i have before bed which is a very small sort of protein meal um whether that carries on when i come out of the diet i don't know i, I quite like it i quite like the the need to not have breakfast in the morning um but as calories go up i'm sure i might need to maybe introduce food back in during that meal gotcha. maybe we'll see. yeah yeah and speaking of calories, Jack, so something that we don't have here at the moment in Ireland is calories on the menus in restaurants. Oh, okay. But I know I know that's something that's been brought into the UK. What are your thoughts on that? I really like it. Like, I know obviously there's a, a mixed opinion on why and like maybe it's bad for other people, but I think for the majority, obviously speaking in majority terms here, not singling out people that potentially obviously they don't like the idea of it, but for the majority to see what's in the foods that they have yeah. is a great thing to kind of tune to the right choices of maybe what they're trying to achieve or just bring more awareness to what's in stuff as well. Because 
you're going out, let's just say TGI Fridays, and you look at the starter and you see your starter has 1,200 calories in, that just triggers a little bit different sort of thought process for the majority of people that are trying to lose weight to maybe pick something that might be better. Um, and, and ultimately, it's probably going to serve them really well to, to stay on track with their diet a bit more or at least sort of see more progress in what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I, I'd be all for it being brought in, to be honest. Like, it's it's going to be education just just... Even I was in Starbucks and it was in Lisbon and Portugal. So they had the calories there as well. And you look at like a basic flapjack. Yeah. Scary. 400, 450 calories. Yeah. And someone gets like, imagine just grabbing like a cappuccino, like a, a cappuccino grande there in, in Starbucks. On top of that, you could be, you could have consumed eight to 900, like maybe 800 calories there quite easily. And then you're still hungry afterwards. That's the worst thing. Yeah, because that's a snack. When reality, that's <laughs> that'd be a huge lunch. Like, <laughs> what would what would you say are like some of those some of the meals that being served at restaurants, Jack? That if the calories were on them, it would make people think twice. <laughs> Probably anything at TGI Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like I think, like obviously, like big burger meals massively. Yeah. Like, I think people think pizza is really bad, but pizza is actually really not that terrible when it comes to how much you get for the calories that's in it. Um, it depends how it's cooked, to be fair, as well. Yeah, this is true. If it's yeah. oil and stuff. Yeah, well. yeah. Um, but definitely, I think the 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 big burger restaurants uh if 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 people <laughs> to be really healthy they might struggle a little bit because those are usually the big <laughs> the big calorie ones with a massive burger and bacon and cheese and fries alongside of it it's getting me hungry talking about it now anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah. and jack um speaking of speaking of which we by the time this will be aired so it's obviously it's mid-november now this will be aired just the start of december and coming up to the christmas season you know, Christmas time, people people seem to have like a lot of fear and anxiety over like just two or three weeks of like gaining a lot of weight and then being back to square one in January. What what are some tips that you give for anyone looking to enjoy the holidays without completely sabotaging their fitness levels? Yeah, sure. I, I think everyone's going to do this very differently. And for some people, the advice would be to just like kind of enjoy those few days around Christmas and then the days that you are um, obviously maybe not on sort of celebrating or whatever, then obviously just get back to normal and enjoy yourself and get back into your routine. But obviously then for other people, they might just want to take a full two weeks of not tracking or not worrying about anything and just like maybe having a bit of a blowout because some people actually need that as well. Like for example, people who are very meticulous and they track everything might actually yeah. do well with having a few days of actually not doing that and not worrying about tracking for a few back, days. Yeah. so I, I think everyone individually has a different approach to it but for me personally i will always take those days off i'll enjoy them um and then deal with it the days after if there's any damage but there normally isn't because i think once you've kind of i think once you've tracked for long enough and you know what's in food and you know when you feel full there is that element of I probably shouldn't really eat anymore because I feel like crap anyway. Like <laughs> I remember like post-show in 2018, uh, that was the worst feeling ever. I was sat in bed for three hours with massive regret of just eating too much because I'd obviously deprived for months. Yeah. So I remember that feeling to know not to to go too much over now because it just doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. Also yeah, enjoy yourself and, and, and don't feel like you need to restrict because any weight that you gain over 
three or four days of Christmas can be taken off really quickly. So it's not the end of the world. And a lot of it is water weight. It's carbohydrate yeah. weight. You lose it after, as you said, a couple of days. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. A couple of weeks. Yeah, I, of <laughs> I, yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that, man. Like to be fair, I feel most people worry about like the five weeks between New Year's or Thanksgiving and New Year's Day mm. when they forget about them the other 47 weeks of the year. So if you're someone listen and you are consistent for the most part, really, when you break Christmas down, like there's a few core days there. But yeah. even some days in between, like, as you said, those days, you might scale it back and be more on track. Pick your days. Don't don't do don't do the absolute balls in it and go all out if 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 that makes you feel uncomfortable and just get back at it. I'm with you on that, Jack. Um, we will wrap things up, Jack. What are just before we we get on some quick fire? Is there any kind of goals that you're currently working on or excited about yourself? Yeah, I'm quite excited to probably go into my first lean bolt for a for what's been the longest time. Um, that's probably going to start in the new year. So. I've always been one of these people when that when I diet, obviously I get to where I want to, but yeah. I always find like I never have the right opportunity to properly take myself for a reverse diet. So I'm quite excited for that because I've I do it with clients, I do it with them, and they get great success from it. So yeah. my kind of goal is into Christmas, start building food back up, and then in the new year go into a phase where I can actually start building up some strength again because I do miss being stronger in the gym and everything. Like I'm not as strong as I used to be, and that's one goal I'd like to chase down while I focus yeah. on my football and, and and being athletic really like my, my goal has definitely changed over the years if, if you were to that. ask if you were to ask 2018 Jack what would he be doing five years from now or four years from now he certainly wouldn't have said focusing on football performance and uh, weightlifting in the gym it would be literally I'd probably answer I'd be in a full bulk mode ready for 2023 season so it's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different world but I'm enjoying it I'm enjoying I just enjoy being fit, healthy and uh, athletic yeah. at the same time to be able to go and run on a football pitch and be very like kind of good in terms of pace and keeping up with fitness, but then also go into the gym and do some heavy deadlifts and stuff. Like I like that, that flexibility of both. Um, so. I love it, man. I'm literally with you a hundred percent on that. Like I'd like to be able to go and run a five or 10 K if, if, if I wanted, but I'd also like to think I'd be able to put up some decent numbers of these in the gym if you were to enter that world. Um, yeah. yeah, Jack, we, we can end it there. That's awesome, man. We'll just finish off with a couple of quick rapid-fire questions. The first one being, what is one new habit you've implemented the last six months? Um, I guess it would probably be intermittent fasting. That would be one of the main yeah. habits. And I think that's <laughs> today as well. So, <laughs> Awesome. Best book you've read this year? Oh, this is gonna you're gonna shoot me for this. I actually have not read a book this year. So you can say that you can keep that on the podcast. <laughs> I really feel like reading. Like I'll watch YouTube until sure. until obviously loads of hours. But yeah, reading, I'm terrible. I just hate it. So no gotcha. books. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give one of my personal favorites. Uh, the Power One More by Ed Milesh. We can make up first. That's a that's a good one. Um, Jack, if you go back in time when you started, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Um, I think take time with what you do and whenever you're trying new things, give it some time. Like I would always try and do things like new methods of nutrition or training and I give it a few weeks before I change things over. So yeah. if you're trying a new thing, give it time like anything. It's, it's never going to change overnight. Yeah. You have to be patient. Yeah. 
What do you feel, Jack, is the most underrated gym exercise that most people don't do enough of? <laughs> lateral raises. <laughs> <laughs> why do you say why do you say lateral raises? Because most people have massive front delts, but they don't have side or rears, and usually lateral raises is the reason that's that's lacking. So many people that's a good point, man. They'll do all the pressing in the world, but they won't do anything for their side or rear delts. <laughs> that's an interesting one. No one's yeah. ever said that. I like it. Jack, what is one question you wish people asked you more? Um, one question. I think more like how to stay consistent than how to lose body fat. I think people know how to lose body fat, but most people don't know how to stay consistent. And I think now I have a lot more answers for that than I do on how to lose body fat because that's simple. The the other parts around it is actually what makes it happen with the consistency. Unreal. I love that one. Jack, this has been amazing. I want to acknowledge you. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been great hearing your story about transition from the lifestyle lifter to the bodybuilding, back to the more lifestyle to the athletic phase. And you've just shared a lot of knowledge there all around training, nutrition, training to failure, supplements, calories, food intake. For any of our listeners out there, I always like to leave with some takeaways. What are like one to three takeaways you'd like to give our listeners to implement? I think obviously like the main takeaway for for anyone probably listening to this is the biggest thing is to have an, an idea of what you want from fitness and health like a lot of people the reason why they never reach their goal is because they have no idea what they actually want they say they want to lose 10 pounds but what does losing that 10 pounds make you feel like so have a really clear cut out design of what you want your life or physique to look like because that then helps you with the pursuit of actually going forward with it so many people will just stop in their tracks with actually what they want because it doesn't mean anything to them when someone says obviously like say i want to lose 10 pounds it doesn't mean anything it's just something we say it's like okay i want to lose a stone i want to lose two stone but what does losing that stone or two stone mean to you and how is that going to impact and affect your life so Whenever you start, if you listen to this and you're thinking about starting in the new year or you want to start a diet, think to yourself hard about what that is that you want to achieve and what it's going to make you feel like because you're more likely to actually probably achieve that than you would just sort of say some random meaningless target to yourself in the new year. So get really clear on that. And I think that will kind of usually pave the way for your results for however long you want to achieve them for. 100%. 100%. Jack, that's awesome. This is the Lifestyle Lifters show. So we'll finish with our final question. What is your definition of living a successful lifestyle, Jack? Living a successful lifestyle. I think enjoying physically how you feel, mentally how you feel as well, um, and being able to adapt to whatever situation comes your way in terms of fitness, health, and uh, just performing at your best. I feel that's my sort of sum up for how I feel with the lifestyle. Awesome. Jack, this has been amazing, man. For any for listeners out there want to learn more about you and what you offer, where is the best best place, Jack, to send them? Just on Instagram at the minute, um, which is just jackgad underscore. Um, obviously, I've got Facebook and TikTok, but I use Instagram mainly as my sort of main source. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to message me on there or anything. So it's it's jackgad, J-A-C-K-G-A-D-D underscore and that's your IG handle. I'll yeah. post that in the show notes, Jack. Jack, thank you so much for, for, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And for all the listeners out there, if you did get value from this, please leave a review. Please share the show on your IG stories. Tag me at Mac Lifestyle Fitness. Tag Jack and we will reshare it on your stories. Jack, thanks so much again for coming on.
amazing. I appreciate you asking me to come on and uh, it was great to come on and uh, chat with you. Great chat.